Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. As we come together this morning, what we're going to be doing is to considering consider together the implications of being a child of God. Last week, uh, as many of you will know who were here and those who were watching at home, we explored uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the what and the where and the when and so on. And we, we finished last week really concentrating on the why. Why is the Holy Spirit given to us? What's his purpose? How can you and I uh, raise our self to be participants in this gift? You know, a gift is only uh, valuable if you use it. It's absolutely no good if you leave it wrapped up. It's no good if you leave it in the cupboard. It's no usually if you leave it in the wherever. You've got to actually participate or use the gift for the gift to be any value uh, from whoever's given us, and I'm telling you, um, the gift that we've been given is such a precious thing, and it allows us to be like Jesus. That's what we talked about last week, that, that the purpose of the Holy Spirit was to teach us. We spoke briefly upon the gift that's given in the fruit of the Spirit, and we talked about the fact that that's a package deal. There's a number of things in the package, love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, self-control, patience. Those things are in the package, but they are given to us. And eventually, if we surrender ourselves into the kingdom, into the responsive prompting of the Holy Spirit in my mind, in my heart, in my doing, in my coming and my going, if I surrender to those, then little by little, my earthly nature, my earthly nature gives over to the nature of Jesus. That's the journey we're on, isn't it? That's the journey that we're on that will allow God to infiltrate our lives as we let him to become more like Jesus. Paul encouraged us. We shared a little bit last week. Uh, follow the way of love eagerly and desire the spirit. Desire the gifts of the Spirit, and he talked in there that little phrase, especially prophecy. We're going to talk a bit about the gifts themselves later on. And I just want to reinforce and remind everybody that the gifts are still available today. The scripture is the same, it doesn't change. You know, we read what he wrote to the Corinthian church, we read what he wrote to the Ephesus or Philippi or whoever it might be, and it would be crazy for us to stand back and say, well, that was just written to them. It doesn't really apply to me. That was written to the Corinthians. It doesn't really apply to me. And that's not really so, guys, because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness that the person of God, man, woman, child, the person of God might be equipped. That's what this whole purpose is about. That's why we're, as a church, exploring these gifts of the Spirit that we might be equipped to meet tomorrow. 
We talked last week about the fact that given where we are as a church, our property, the pastor and so on, we're, we're, we're breaking new ground. And we more than, than I can remember need this Holy Spirit's guidance in our future. I've been present when this church has evolved as some of you have here. And we've seen what was, what was a little building out the back grow to this building here, grow to properties and so on, and ministries happen. We're there again, guys, where we need to explore just what God has for us. The why of the Holy Spirit. He says, but when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to testify with me to great effect. That's why we've been given this Holy Spirit, that our testimony about Jesus will not be lukewarm, will not be watered down, but you, what you and I have dwelling inside us by his promise is power. Power to live life, power to overcome life, to, to recognise that the best thing about life is the relationship with God, just as Michael said, the intimacy, the intimacy of my relationship with God. And so the question we've got to ask ourselves as we move into this message today is, are we open to all the things that God wants to lay on us? Are we prepared to let God reshape me as an individual, you as an individual, and then as a team, as a working unit of Jesus? Are we prepared to let him to infiltrate my mind, my heart, my thinking, my doing so much that the Holy Spirit leads, the Holy Spirit directs, and we move in the purpose of God. That's the question. Are we prepared to do that? Because what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, Now about the gift of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed, ill-informed. We need to know what our resources are in God. We look around, we see what our resources are in building, in the physical things. But why are our resources in God? And those resources come out of a relationship and an intimacy. Thank you, Michael. I'll use that word a lot this morning. An intimacy of the Holy Spirit. An intimacy of my daily walk with God. Because according to Corinthians, this differing gifts that are there have been given to all of us all of us by the grace of God, so that the, the kingdom might profit. I want to share with you some readings out of uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 10, uh, just to reinforce now to each one, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Not to benefit me, not to benefit you, but to benefit us. The one there, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Bring it on, Lord. To another is the message of knowledge. Bring it on, Lord. To another, the means of the same Spirit, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gift of healing by the one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. Bring it on, Lord. To another, prophecy. Bring it on, Lord. To another, the distinguishing between spirits. To another, 
speaking in different kinds of tongues and there's still the, another, the interpretation of tongues. Bring them on, Lord. Because the power of Jesus, the power of the church is wrapped up in those. And that's what we're going to explore today. I must confess to you people, I had great difficulty just getting, coming to grips with where, how am I going to deal with this today? We can all read through Corinthians 12, we can read through Romans, we can read through Ephesians and we can see words about the gifts. But they're just words. What I wanted to do, because my nature is to become a very practical issue, I wanted to say, okay, what does this gift actually mean? When, when I talk about the gift of administration that it says, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and so on, what does this mean as far as administration is concerned? Well, an administrator is someone who organises. If we were to read in Acts chapter 6, we'd see there that the disciples said, hey guys, there's so much happening there, people with their gifting, people with their ministries, people needing this, people needing that in our community, and we wanted to minister them in the name of Jesus. It's distracting for us as the disciples who are the teachers, who are you know, the overseers of all this. Let's, let's appoint some people who are good at organising to look after the general things. I want to be careful here. I don't want to say the word, you know, that, that paint one gift in this, in my message today. I want to put, don't want to put one gift above others, maybe with the exception of prophecy, because Paul did, and I'll talk about that later. Okay. So what then is this? The ability to steer steer the body towards accomplishing a goal, a God-given goal, and directed by planning. Who, who's a good planner amongst us? Who's a good organiser amongst us? And supervising others. You know, it occurred to me during this process that God doesn't give a gift out of sequence with the person or the personality. Most of the time, sometimes he might, and he certainly can, but most of the time God gives the gift that's my natural nature, that is given to me since birth. That we, and he wants me to develop that. So let me share with you, what are the traits of, of someone who has the gift of administration? And, and you guys, as you sit here this morning, or people outside in their living rooms listen to this message, you just go through this in your mind and if you think, yes, that suits me, I'm that sort of person. Are you thorough? Do you like to dot your I's and cross your T's? Are you objective? Can you separate reality from fiction? Are you responsible? Do you always do what you say you will do? Are you organised? Are you efficient? Are you conscientious? And most of all, given that we're talking about the gift of God's spirit, are you God-focused? Because if those attributes are yours, if you say, yeah, that's me, then you're going to need to consider, is God giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit administration? I'm dealing with these pretty close to in alphabetical order, guys. The next one I've got to is an apostle. Um, and, and while the attributes of an apostle uh, is difficult for me to come to grips with, uh, apostle is someone who goes out in a new ground, breaks new ground and, and starts something that wasn't there before. 
That's an apostle. Paul, obviously, a great example to that. To equip his people for works of service, that's what an apostle does. So that the body of Christ may be built up in faith and in knowledge of Jesus. So an apostle, and this may be somebody here who's going to get called out into the mission field, into some new places that haven't been got to before, to believe, to be sent forth to new frontiers, providing leadership, maintaining the authority of scripture. The apostle, we don't see a lot of those today here in our society of Penrith, New South Wales, Australia, but they're around and they've gone. Discernment. To another, 1 Corinthians 12, 10 says, to another, this distinguishing between spirits. This person can clearly identify truth and error. They can measure that. They can measure what is truthful in behaviour or teaching. They recognise whether it's from God or not because the, Satan is the prince of this world and he will convince people. Somebody with a discerning gift can recognise truth from fiction. The traits of somebody with discernment. Uh, are you perceptive? Do you have insight into some things that maybe other people don't have? Are you sensitive, intuitive, truthful? These would be the attributes of someone who has the gift of discernment. So if that's you, those traits are you, ooh, consider that. Now guys, there's some of these gifts as I've gone through them this week. I've said to myself, wow, everybody ought to have that. And there's truth in that. This, I think this next one I've got, it's, it's about encouragement. We can all be encouragers, can't we? We can always just give somebody a word of comfort. Okay, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us and if so, encourage, then let's give encouragement. We certainly have examples of other people in the New Testament, Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 15 talks about the encouragement that was given to the early church. The gift of encouragement is to be a God-given ability to present words of comfort, consolation, so strengthen the urge to action. Those who are discouraged, they're wavering in their faith. They don't feel motivated and encouraged. says, come on, let's just lift you up here. And the gifts or the traits of an encourager, are you positive thinking? Are you, you know, a, a glass empty or full? Is it half empty? Or half full. Now, if it's one of those, then you, you need to sort out, okay, my, I'm always a positive person. My natural nature is to see, hey, the glass is half full. I can do more. That's all I need. Positive. Motivated. Affirming. Reassuring. Trustworthy. Are these your nature? Is this you? Because you may have the gift of encouragement. And another one that comes following close behind that, guys, is exhortation. The two are very similar. Though exhort to me is a little bit more proactive. 
you know, encouragement, put my arm around somebody, come on, we can fix this together. Let's just step together, okay? For me, an exhortation is a bit more of a push, okay? Uh, yeah, you can really do this. Come on, really push it. That's, that's a little bit how it is for me, an urge, an urge to advise earnestly and, and to give courage and hope so they're tied together a bit in there. Tied together. Here's one that we all ought to have. It's about evangelism. Okay? It's about sharing the good news of Jesus. In the gifts of the Spirit, the person who is an evangelist can take it and raise it to a new level. Raise it to a place where it's not just a matter of me sitting with somebody and sharing Jesus with them, but it's really, whoa, a Holy Spirit-inspired sharing. The gift of evangelism. So Christ gave himself. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to be messengers of the good news, the gospel especially to non-believers. That's what an evangelist does. And we're all called to do that. When, when Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world, you know, preach the gospel, teaching them, baptising them in the name of the Father, teaching them all I've commanded you, what did they do? They did what he said. They all did that. Because they knew that they were called, as we are called, not to hold on to this truth, ourselves but to share it as his workman, as his energy. What's the traits of someone who has this evangelism gift, this messenger of God? That's what the Greek word means, a messenger of God. Someone who is sincere, someone who is an influencer, someone who is candid and confident. You can appreciate that. So once again, these are traits, if you have them, that you might need to consider uh, being used in the goodness of God. Faith is a gift. There's a story in Romans chapter 4 about where Paul is referring to Abraham. Abraham said over a hundred years old and he was promised a child and he didn't waver in that. He trusted God for the outcome. The faith that's there, the gift of faith to be firmly persuaded of God's power and promised promises of accomplishment. That's the gift of faith. He will and his purpose to display his will and his purpose to display it in such a confident way in him his word and the command that's going to be fulfilled anyway so what do i see about the gift of faith here someone who's prayerful someone who is trusting an optimistic person very difficult if you're a pessimist to be a person of faith isn't it the glass half empty thing Someone who's trusting, assured, inspiring, hopeful and positive. These are the traits of faith. The next gift that I want to look at in the alphabetical order is giving. To share. 
what material, what resources we have. We have them, we share them liberally, with cheerfulness, without the thought of getting something back in return. I know lots of people in our church, I see lots of people here who have these gifts that I'm talking about. I see people in our church that I recognise has this gift. The traits of responsibility, resourcefulness, charitable, good stewards. So once again, you know, you're sitting here and you may well be saying to yourself, you hear those traits? I recognise that. Hey, maybe I've got the gift of giving. When it comes to the gift of healing, it's one of those miraculous things and I appreciate that in some of the gifts that we have before us, there'll be some people uh, who will say, look, a lot of the, some of these gifts don't, aren't available anymore. Uh, we just don't need them. We have the Bible, we have the canon of scripture. So the miraculous gifts aren't necessarily part of what we need. Well, I want to share with somebody and I'm going to ask someone to come and join me now. We're going to talk about that. Because my response to that, bless you Nelly, my response to, to, to that is certainly here in Australia, here in this country, where we have so much and so many resources of internet, of uh, church relationships with people, perhaps the gift of healing in a miraculous way is not necessary here. That's not to say that God can't or won't, it's just that it's understandable that only in certain circumstances, like the early church when they were building it up, you know, Peter and John walking through the gate, there's this lame man, up he rises because Peter said to him, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus I want you to walk and hey, we're going to talk more about that part in a minute, but I want to share, I've asked Janelle to come with me uh, and sit with me because Janelle's going to share with us some thoughts. The healing thing. Over to you. I'm going to uh, share out of the context of going to Nepal and having heard many testimonies of, of healing that happens in that country. And uh, just when we were there in March this year, I was out in the far west of Nepal at a church uh, that is uh, run by one of our church planters. Uh, his name is Dil Bahadu Tharu. <laughs> Dil Bahadu Tharu, but we'll just call him Dil. Uh, a great man of God and, and a church planter that has been with us for, for several years. And I was speaking at his church this uh, particular morning and he shared the story of a young girl called Hira. Uh, Hira had been brought to deal by her family. She was a teenager and she was completely blind. Uh, her story was that uh, she had been born with full sight, but during her teenage years she had uh, gradually become blind until she was completely blind. And uh, her family had taken her to the village witch doctor uh, the witch doctor is a very real thing in Nepali uh, society out in the villages and they practice uh, superstition, black magic. Um, they do some pretty uh, terrible things to people in the name of uh, their gods and trying to make people well. And so she'd been to the village witch doctor and uh, nothing 
had helped. Also in Nepal, uh, you can get conventional medical help if you can afford it. Mm -hmm. uh, you must pay up front. So for whatever you can afford is whatever treatment that you can receive. And most uh, village families can afford very little in the way of conventional medicine. So the family had spent what they had uh, trying uh, to get some medical help that had done nothing. They tried herbs and this young girl was just completely blind. What often happens in our Nepali culture out in the villages is that when they have tried, exhausted all other, other avenues, the, the witch doctor, conventional medicine, tribal herbs, someone will say, go and ask the Christians to pray. Mm. And so that's what this family did. They brought Hira to Dil. Uh, they knew of him and he had his uh, church in the community there and this particular day they brought young Hira to him with the expectation that he would pray for her and that she would be healed. And Dill said to me, Sister, can you imagine the enormity <laughs> of them standing, this family there with this young girl who is completely blind and expecting that I'm going to pray for her. Pretty scary, eh? And she's going to be healed. And uh, he said, I, I just felt overwhelmed. He said, but I began to pray and he was praying, God, what would you have me pray? What would you have me do for this young girl? And he clearly heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say to him, do what Jesus did. Do what Jesus did. And in John chapter 9, we see the story of what Jesus did for a blind man. So Dil Bahadur, he bent down in the dirt. He spat in the dirt. He made a mud paste. He put the paste on the girl's eyes and he prayed for healing. They wiped the paste off the girl's eyes and she was completely healed. The day I was in their church, she read the word of God. <laughs> is that good? Yeah. Wow. That is tremendous. And I want to hear about the story about the knock on the door. The knock on the door. Okay. <laughs> knock on the door. We had a, another church planter uh, by the name of Krishna BK. Uh, BK stands for Bishwakarma. It's a common uh, tribal name in Nepal. Krishna uh, was also one of our church planters. And uh, he would regularly go out to visit his sister in a village called Dalek out in the far west of Nepal. And you need to appreciate that the further you get out west and north in Nepal, the poorer uh, the people are. And uh, life is a, a, a struggle for these people. So Krishna is uh, in this village regularly visiting her, his sister. And there is a paralyzed man in this village, a Hindu man. And uh, whenever Krishna would go to this village, he really felt uh, a heavy heart for this paralyzed man and that the Lord wanted him to engage in friendship with this man. And so he would uh, regularly go to the uh, paralyzed man's house and offer to pray for him. And this man declined over and over again. But uh, Krishna was uh, very burdened by the Lord that he should continue to try and pray for this man. He was, uh, Krishna was in this village one day and he saw the village witch doctor performing his black magic. He was actually beating this man 
uh, trying to get him uh, to be able to walk again. And Krishna went and inter- tried to intervene and offered to pray, and, and they shooed him away. Sometime later, uh, the paralyzed man's wife died which made his circumstances mm. even more dire because he now has no one uh, to care for him and he is dependent on the mercy of the villagers to provide food for him and to look after him. And so hearing that his wife had died, Krishna went to the village specifically to pray with him and this time the man said yes. And so uh, Krishna pulled up a chair to his bedside and he spent many hours with this man this particular day and night, praying with him, talking about Jesus, praying, talking Mm. about Jesus. And during the course of this time with this man, Krishna noticed that the right side of the man uh, was beginning to move. But uh, the hour had gotten late and Krishna had had felt that uh, they should you know, call it a day and because it was so late he decided to stay at his sister's house in this village this night. In the middle of the night there was a commotion, there was a knock at the door, Uh, they woke Krishna up and when Krishna went to the door, the paralyzed man was standing there. (laughs) He said, look what your God has done to me, I've been healed. Um, This paralyzed man gave his life to Mm -hmm. the Lord and the rest of the story is that Krishna planted a church in that village and there are about 20 believers who come to faith now as a result of that miracle. Mm. Amazing, amazing. So while we might not see that here in the same way in our culture here, The reality is that somewhere God can. So be prepared, guys, because the Lord might put you in a position where he says to you, do what Jesus did. What a great story. (laughs) Of course. I want Nellie while she's here to talk to us because one of the other gifts of the Spirit is this word of knowledge. Gaining insight into something you don't really know about yet. So would you share with us about your personal circumstances with that young girl. Yeah, this is a very personal story for me. Uh, whenever we're in Nepal, we try and visit our church planters on location as well as do the training. And uh, this particular night, we were visiting one of our church planters who runs a children's home. They have uh, 21 gorgeous children in this home and uh, we go there every visit and we uh, have singing and dancing and uh, you know just an incredible time with the children in this children's home. This particular night after all the fun and festivities were over um, we were the Australian team was sitting around the table with the house parents and some of the workers they uh, employ some older teenagers to help look after these 21 children and we were sitting at the table I was a young girl there, 17 years of age. Her name was Muna. And uh, the house mother, Jyoti, said to me, "Um, Sister, Muna has a story she wants to share with you. So I was all ears because these stories are gold. Uh, Muna had come to the house parent, Jyoti, uh, in November last year, very burdened, and said, we have an Australian auntie that we need to pray for. 
I don't know which Australian auntie it is, but I've seen her face in my dreams. So the house mother, Jolty, got a phone out and they flicked through the phones until they came across my photo. And Mona said, this is the Australian auntie we must pray for. Her heart is very heavy. She is very sad and she needs to make a decision and she doesn't know what way she should make her decision. So we must be praying for her. So all through November and into December, they were praying for me and not knowing why mm. they were praying for me. And then on Christmas Day, Muna said to the house mother, we must specifically pray for auntie today. She is making a big decision that will change things for her. So the whole house got up on Christmas morning and specifically were praying for me. So here am I sitting here and this young girl wants to know, well, why did the Holy Spirit tell her that she needed to pray for this Australian auntie in November and December and on Christmas Day last year? They wanted to know what was going on for me. So as you know, Dave and I uh, decided last year that we needed to take some time out from uh, being a part of this church and we spent many months looking for another church home. Uh, we struggled in finding another place and for many months towards the end of last year we went nowhere. It was a very dark time for me. Mm. I really struggled in my faith and I struggled to know where God was in all of that, and I felt very lost. Come November, I knew and I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we needed to stop wandering or going nowhere. We needed to make up our mind what we were doing and seek the Lord as to where we should be and what we should be doing. And so through November and into December, Dave and I were wrestling with that decision. As she was yeah. back there. Yeah. She behalf. doesn't know why, <laughs> but she knows that the Holy Spirit has told her that this Australian auntie yeah. is going through a very dark, difficult time. Okay. And so on Christmas Day when she felt really convicted by the Holy Spirit that that was the day that she should pray and that they gathered the whole house together to pray for me, it was the day that Dave and I decided that uh, we would come back to church here and come home, as it were. It's not fair, Nelly. <laughs> and so um, here is this young 17-year-old girl in Nepal so many thousands of miles away. She doesn't even know who I am. I've mm. not met her before. The Holy Spirit puts my face in her dream and tells her that she needs to pray for me. Um, just amazing. The Holy Spirit is alive and active today. And if we would just listen mm. to that still voice, that soft voice. And that's such a key of what you said because the, this word of knowledge, how often do we go into a room and there's people there and we just get this feeling, you know, whether it's a feeling of separation, whether it's a feeling of aggression or whatever it might be, despair, and we, we do nothing because we're, we're just not tuned like your friend is, you know, in, in Nepal. We get out of tune with hearing the heart of people, don't we? 
those vibes from God. Any doubt in your mind that that would be the gift of the word of knowledge? Absolutely not. She didn't even know who I was. She just had my face in okay. her her dream, okay. and and just this in, uh, incessant feeling that there was a need in my ah, life that okay. she needed to. Absolutely me. awesome. Let me say thank you for sharing those tremendous stories with you. Uh, pray a blessing upon you and your family. Uh, Needless to say, if I could give you a hug, I would. <laughs> okay, but I'm so grateful. Thank you, Nelly. You're a sweetheart. Thank you. On so many levels. Yeah. So this word of knowledge traits inquisitive by nature, observant, resourceful, Reflective and studious, considering the mood and truthful. Being able to, you know, step out of the, of the situation and say, well, what's going to happen here if I say this and it's not true? So there's got to be that brave part of us that gives it back to God. You know, uh, I, I, this has happened on a few occasions in my own circumstances with people and I've given it back to God and I've said, Lord, if this is not of you, take it away from my mind, take this picture away from me. And it stayed and, you know, as I've shared that, you know, somebody with the, in the little group of young people, whatever, was saying, yes, that happened to me at home tonight and I need... So don't be afraid of these gifts, people. Don't be afraid of them. One next one I want to go to is another one of those ones that I think we all ought to have anyway, and it's the gift of service. It's the gift of helping each other, of not being selfish about our own time. It's about being available to render support or assistance to others in the body of of the Lord, as as to free them up to ministry. The gift of service. Let this mind be in you, who was also in, the, in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but gave of himself as a servant and became obedient unto death. You want to know what a servant looks like? Look to Jesus. Sacrificial. Available, reliable, willing, loyal, dependable. All these attributes, these traits of someone who has the gift of service. Whatever it takes attitude. Boy, oh boy. And if you're, if you're sitting there and thinking, yeah, that's part of me, well, explore this. And, and, and I want to say it again, that we need to step out and explore the natural attributes we have and, and lock them in to, to what, what is my spiritual gift, the gift of service. Hospitality. I know lots of people in our church with hospitality, to warmly welcome people, even strangers, welcome them into our home or our church. It's a matter of means of serving those in need or lodging. Now the Greek word for that is the love of strangers. That's what it literally means. The love of strangers. Hospitality. 
Do you have that gift? The traits would be, are you friendly? Are you gracious? Are you an inviting sort of person? Trusting, caring, responsible, warm. If you've got those gifts, then you might consider where you are with regard to hospitality. Leadership. It's interesting, a number of people in our last Wednesday night Zoom meeting, in their little test that they did, leadership came out, and so it should, as some of those people said to me, this is where my numbers were. Leadership, to stand before the people in such a way as to attend to the direction of the body with such care and diligence so as to motivate others to get involved. I, hear, I see lots of motivators amongst us, lots of people who have that gift of leadership. They don't push it. They don't advertise it. It's just there. They are influencers. They are visionary, persuading, motivating. They are goal setters. The leaders amongst us. And it doesn't have to be in such a way that you're up here and you're doing things. Leadership can come in many forms. If you look, you know, if, you, if you're not sure whether you're a leader, look behind you and see if people are following you because they do, then you are. So many of us. I need to move on, don't I? Another one is we all should have, of course, is the gift of mercy. As we've been given... So we should give, to be sensitive towards those who are suffering, whether physically, whether mentally or emotionally, so as to feel genuine sympathy with their misery. Then speaking words of compassion and care into them, be more caring for their person their deeds or their love to each other. We alleviate their distress. What are the traits? Empathy, caring, kind, sensitive, burden-bearing, compassionate. These are the attributes of someone who is merciful. And like I said, I think we all ought to embrace that. I want to move on quickly uh, to, I'm going to miss one, miracles, uh, pastoring, to be responsible for spiritually caring, for, for protecting, guiding or feeding people, the attributes of pastors, nurturing, feeding people in the word, guiding and directing, encouraging, protective, supporting, relational, influential, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Who are the pastors amongst us? Certainly we have Adam. We've had others. Nellie was marvellous amongst us as a pastor. A heart that was able to lead people. But there are people who I see in, as pastors in our church who don't necessarily have the label. But you are still pastors. Having the title doesn't mean anything. It's what you do and who you are that attributes to that. Prophecy. 
It was interesting on Wednesday night to hear a number of people say, with some surprise, oh, my test came up about prophecy. Didn't surprise me in a few, few occasions, that's for sure. Uh, two aspects of prophecy that come to mind. One is the foretelling. And you look, read through the Old Testament and you see the Old Testament prophets, both major prophets and minor prophets, foretelling. They, they would make predictions about drought. They'd make predictions about what God was going to do unless they did things. That's the foretelling. Okay. The other part of the prophecy is a thing called forth-telling. Uh, representing God's word. Representing the truth of scripture. Reshaping a person's direction because based on not what this person says but what on the Bible teaches. Forth-telling. A word here. Prophecy is never destroying the person. Prophecy is never cruel, unkind. Prophecy is always edifying. It's always building up. It might be discipline prophecy sometime, if the scripture so does it. But it's never done in such a way that it destroys. It always edifies and builds up. So if you're a person who, who loves the word, if you're a discerning person, okay, if you're an uncompromising person, if you're a person who's prepared to be outspoken, authoritative, maybe even confronting sometimes, but all the time to build, not to destroy, if those are you, then yes, you can tick the box, well, maybe I am a bit of a prophet. Maybe I am being used by God to change and to edify people. That's prophecy. Wow. So where do we go? We've got teaching and wisdom. I'm just going to go through this quickly. Teaching traits. I've often asked myself the question, does a Christian doctor have the gift of healing? Does a Christian teacher have the gift of teaching? Not sure, but the traits that come... You know, to, to install in others the biblical truth in a logical, systematic way. They, a, a teacher is disciplined. A teacher is perceptive, reading your students. A teacher is teachable themselves. Can't be a teacher unless you're a learner. Teacher has authority. Practical. Analytical articulate, able to change the way in which you explain things to make it okay for different people. If you have those, then you have a teaching capacity, a gift that God will build up you. Speaking in tongues is there. I'm happy to talk about those, though I will do that if necessary on our Zoom meetings. I believe in the speaking in tongues. I believe in the interpretation of tongues. I'm okay with it. It's just in the, in, the, in the right place and the right time and the right circumstances that I want to deal with that. So if that comes up on Wednesday, then so be it. God bless us, we share together. Wisdom. Wisdom. To apply knowledge to a life, 
to life in such a way as to make spiritual truths quite relevant. Spiritual truths quite relevant. The gift of being able to sort through facts and data to discover what needs to be done, honing in, drilling into the real issue here. That's wisdom, the gift of wisdom. To one is given through the spirit a measure of wisdom. The traits of being, of possessing this gift would be a sensitive person, an insightful, we've heard these words before, haven't we? A practical person, a wise person, a fair person, somebody with experience, not necessarily a novice. Experience in the word, experience in their walk with Jesus. So, guys, in many ways, we, we've explored the gifts to the point where uh, I'm going to leave it up to you. I said to David before we started, if, in a different environment, if I had a, a full congregation here, this would be a question and answer session where you would be free to ask a question and we would find the answer, if not necessarily from me because I'm not the be-all and end-all authority, we'd find it somewhere in amongst us. Uh, so I'm encouraging you, if out of anything I've said today that there are questions that you want to ask, then hop onto the Zoom meeting. Ask, by all means, ask me in person today. Ask your friends in person today. But hop onto the Zoom meeting and let's see what we can explore. I said last week that this is about positioning ourselves for the future. I asked the question at the beginning of my sermon today, are we open to all God wants to lay on us? I'm going to change it. Same question almost. The question now is, am I open? Not we, am I open? Are you open? Am I open to all God wants to lay on me? Are you open to all that God wants to lay on you by the power of his Holy Spirit? Are you open to how he wants to use you and share in our team. Am I open to the same thing? I think there's a, a place in amongst all of this where we have to die to ourselves. I am coming to a conclusion, be pleased to know. An illustration, a penist said... You know, I must practice every day. If I don't practice one day, I know the difference. But if I don't practice for two days, those who hear me know the difference. I think it's a little bit like that in our journey with God, certainly a bit like, a lot like that with regard to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe we can get part of the Spirit. I believe if you get the Spirit, you get the Spirit. Incompleteness. I do believe that I can quench the spirit in my life, that I can lock him away, where I can choose and fight against him, where, where the first mallard flesh rises above the first, first mallard who's a new creation in Christ. And perhaps you can do that in your own lives as well. Quenching, crushing, afraid, not willing to. Don't want to pay the price. All of these things. And I'm sharing with you right now that it's one of my beliefs 
that the gifts of the Holy Spirit can either be watered and nurtured and grow or they can wither and die and be of no value to anybody. And the question we have to ask ourselves as a church, which one of those two stones do we want to step on? I want to echo those great words. As for me and my house, I want to serve the Lord. I hope you can join me. Thank you for being with us today. We bless you. I want to close in prayer. I want to encourage you to... If anybody... My notes are my notes. If you want a copy of these, because it's only just regurgitating what I've shared with you, I'm happy to share these. Happy to, in any way at all, build the body of Jesus. Pray with me, please, will you? Father, your gift is so real. Your gift is so true. Sometimes in our earthly nature, Lord, we fail to recognise this new creation that is in us. We're scared, we just don't have an understanding. So, Father, my prayer today is that you will reveal yourself. As each of us at home and here in this building this morning, as we reconsider the attributes that we have that are ours, that we've recognised from our youth into our maturity. How do they align up with your gift of the Holy Spirit? Is it possible, is always the question, is it possible that you have done this in me, Lord? And, and your answer is always, yes, it's possible. Because you've not come, Lord, that any should perish, but that come that all may come to a place of repentance. And we'll do that. We will share your goodness with boldness because we'd be able to speak the truth boldly, just as Peter and John did. They were able to speak the word boldly, Lord, because they raised the lame man who couldn't work, walk, they did it in the name of Jesus, and who could question that? So build in us the gift that you want. Give us the capacity to die to ourself, that you might work through us. And we ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for being with us. We bless you. Have a great week. If you want to join us with Zoom on Wednesday, then by all means do so. Got any questions? Give me a yell. Happy to ask. Or ask one of your friends. The Lord bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.